0: Chapter 4. The first pageant rehearsal was usually about as much fun as a three-hour ride on the school bus and just as noisy and crowded. This rehearsal, though, was different. Everybody shut up and settled down right away for fear of missing something awful that the Herdmans might do. They got there ten minutes late, sliding into the room like a bunch of outlaws about to shoot up a saloon. When Leroy passed Charlie, he knuckled him behind the ear, and one little primary girl yelled as Gladys went by. But Mother had said she was going to ignore everything except blood and since the primary child wasn't bleeding and neither was Charlie, nothing happened. Mother said, and here's the Herdman family. We're glad to see you all, which is probably the biggest lie ever said right out loud in the church. Imogene smiled. The Herdman smile, we called it, sly and sneaky. And there they sat, the closest thing to criminals that we knew about, and they were going to represent the best and most beautiful. No wonder everybody was so worked up. Mother started to separate everyone into angels and shepherds and guests at the inn. But right away, she ran into trouble. Who were the shepherds, Leroy Herdman wanted to know? Where did they come from? Ollie Herdman didn't even know what a shepherd was. Or anyway, that's what he said. What was the inn, Claude asked. What's an inn? It's like a motel, somebody told him, where people go to spend the night. What people, Claude said. Jesus? Oh, honestly... Alice Wendelkin grumbled. Jesus wasn't even born yet. Mary and Joseph went there. Why, Ralph asked. What happened first, Imogene hollered at my mother. Begin at the beginning. That really scared me, because the beginning would be the book of Genesis, where it says in the beginning. And if we were going to have to start with the book of Genesis, we'd never get through. The thing was, the Herdmans didn't know anything about the Christmas story. They knew that Christmas was Jesus's birthday, but everything else was news to them. The shepherds, the wise men, the star, the stable, the crowded inn? It was hard to believe. At least it was hard for me to believe. Alice Wendelkin said she didn't have any trouble believing it. How would they find out about the Christmas story? she said. They don't even know what a Bible is. Look what Gladys did to the Bible last week. While Imogene was snitching money from the collection plate in my class, Gladys and Ollie drew mustaches and tails on all the disciples in the primary great illustrated Bible. They never went to church in their whole life till your little brother told them we got refreshments, Alice said. And all you ever heard about Christmas in school is how to make ornaments out of aluminum foil. So how would they know about the Christmas story? She was right. Of course, they might've read about it, but they never read anything except amazing comics. And they might've heard about it on TV, except that Ralph paid 65 cents for their TV at a garage sale and you couldn't see anything on it unless somebody held onto the antenna. Even then you couldn't see much the only other way for them to hear about the Christmas story was from their parents. And I guess Mr. Herdman never got around to it before he climbed on the railroad train. And it was pretty clear that Mrs. Herdman had given up ever trying to tell them anything. So they just didn't know. And Mother said she'd better begin by reading the Christmas story from the Bible. This was a pain in the neck to most of us because we knew the whole thing backward and forward and never had to be told anything except who we were supposed to be and where we were supposed to stand. Joseph and Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. "'Pregnant!' yelled Ralph Herdman. Well, that stirred things up. All the big kids began to giggle, and all the little kids wanted to know what was so funny. And mother had to hammer on the floor with the blackboard pointer. "'That's enough, Ralph,' she said, and went on with the story. "'I don't think it's very nice to say Mary was pregnant,' Alice whispered to me. "'But she was,' I pointed out. In a way, though, I agreed with her. It sounded too ordinary. Anybody could be pregnant. Great with child.' sounded better for Mary. I'm not supposed to talk about people being pregnant. Alice folded her hands in her lap and pinched her lips lips together. I'd better tell my mother. Tell her what? That your mother is talking about things like that in church. My mother might not want me to be here. I was pretty sure she would do it. She wanted to be Mary and she was mad at mother. I knew too that she would make it sound worse than it was and Mrs. Wendelkin would get madder than she already was. Mrs. Wendelcombe didn't even want cats to have kittens or birds to lay eggs, and she wouldn't let Alice play with anybody who had two rabbits. But there wasn't much I could do about it except pinch Alice, which I did. She yelped, and Mother separated us and made me sit beside Imogene Herdman and sent Alice to sit in the middle of the baby angels. I wasn't crazy to sit next to Imogene. After all, I'd spent my whole life staying away from Imogene. But she didn't even notice me. Not much, anyway. Shut up was all she said. I want to hear I couldn't believe it. Among other things, the herdins were famous for never sitting still and never paying attention to anyone. Teachers, parents, their own or anybody else's, the truant officer, the police. Yet here they were, eyes glued on my mother and taking in every word. What's that? They would yell whenever they didn't understand the language. And when mother read about there being no room in the inn, Imogene's jaw dropped and she sat up in her seat. No, she said, not even Jesus. I saw Alice purse her lips together, so I knew that was something else Mrs. Wendelkin would hear about, swearing in the church. Well, no, after all, Mother explained, nobody knew the baby was gonna turn out to be Jesus. You said Mary knew, Ralph said. Why didn't she tell them? I would have told them, Imogene put in. Boy, would I have told them. What was the matter with Joseph that he didn't tell them? Her pregnant and everything, she grumbled. What was that they laid the baby in, Leroy said? The manger, is that like a bed? Why would they have a bed in the barn? That's just the point, Mother said. They didn't have a bed in the barn, so Mary and Joseph had to use whatever there was. What would you do if you had a new baby and no bed to put the baby in? We put Gladys in a bureau drawer, Imogene volunteered. Well, there you are, Mother said, blinking a little. You didn't have a bed for Gladys, so you had to use something else. Oh, we had a bed, Ralph said, only Ollie was still in it, and he wouldn't get out. He didn't like Gladys. He elbowed Ollie. Remember how you didn't like Gladys? I thought that was pretty smart of Ollie not to like Gladys right off the bat. Anyway, Mother said, Mary and Joseph used the manger. A manger is a large, woody feeding trough for animals. What were the wadded up clothes, Claude wanted to know. The what, Mother said? you read about it. She wrapped him in wadded up clothes. Swaddling clothes, Mother sighed. Long ago, people used to wrap their babies very tightly in big pieces of material so they couldn't move around. It made the babies feel cozy and comfortable. I thought it probably just made the babies mad. Till then, I didn't know what swaddling clothes were either, and they sounded terrible, so I wasn't too surprised when Imogene got all excited about that. You mean they tied him up and put him in a feed box, she said? Where was the child welfare? The child welfare was always checking up on the herdmans. I'll bet if the child weather had ever found Gladys all tied up in a bureau drawer, they would have done something about it. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, Mother went on and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and shazam, Gladys yelled, flinging her arms out and smacking the kid next door. What, Mother said? Mother never read amazing comics. Out of the black night with horrible vengeance, the mighty marvel. I don't know what you're talking about, Gladys, Mother said. This is the angel of the Lord who comes to the shepherds in the fields, and out of nowhere, right? Gladys said. In the black night, right? Well, Mother looked unhappy in a way. So Gladys sat back down looking very satisfied, as if this was at least one part of the Christmas story that made sense to her. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Mother went on reading, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, That's Julie Roy, Ralph said, and Claude and Ollie, so pay attention. What does it mean, wise men, Ollie wanted to know? Were they like school teachers? No, dumbbell, Claude said. It means like President of the United States. Mother looked surprised and a little pleased, like she did when Charlie finally learned the time's table's up to five. Why, that's very close, Claude, she said. Actually, they were kings. Well, it's about time, Imogene muttered. Maybe they'll tell the innkeeper where to get off and get the baby out of the barn. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him and presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. What's that stuff, Leroy wanted to know. Precious oils, Mother said, and fragrant resins. Oil, Imogene hollered. What kind of a cheap king hands out oil for a present? You get better presents from the firemen. Sometimes the herdmen's got Christmas presents at the firemen's party. But Santa Claus always had to feel around in the packages to make sure they weren't getting bows and arrows or dart guns or anything like that. Imogene usually got sewing cards or jigsaw puzzles, and she never liked them. But I guess she figured they were better than oil. Then we came to King Herod, and the herds had never heard of him either, so Mother had to explain that it was Herod who sent the wise men to find baby Jesus. Was it him that sent the crummy presents, all I wanted to know? And Mother said it was worse than that. He planned to have the baby Jesus put to death. Oh, Imogene said, he just got born and already they're out to kill him? The herdmans wanted to know all about Herod, what he looked like and how rich he was, and whether he fought wars with people. He must have been the main king, Claude said. "'if he could make the other three do what he wanted them to. "'If I was a king,' Leroy said, "'I wouldn't let some other king push me around. "'You couldn't help it if he was the main king. "'I'd go be king somewhere else.' "'They were really interested in Herod, "'and I figured they liked him. "'He was so mean he could have been their ancestor. "'Herod Herdman. "'But I was wrong. "'Who's going to be Herod in this play?' Leroy said. "'We don't show Herod in our pageant,' Mother said. "'And then they all got mad.' They wanted somebody to be Herod so they could beat up on him. I couldn't understand the Herdmans. You would have thought the Christmas story came right out of the FBI, files. They got so involved in it, wanted a bloody end to Herod, worried about Mary having her baby in a barn, and called the wise men a bunch of dirty spies. And they left the first rehearsal arguing about whether Joseph should have set fire to the inn or just chased the innkeeper into the next county. Chapter five. When we got home, my father wanted to hear all about it. Well, mother said, just suppose you had never heard the Christmas story and didn't know anything about it. And then somebody told it to you. What would you think? My father looked at her for a minute or two. And then he said, well, I guess I would think it was pretty disgraceful that they couldn't find any room for a pregnant woman, except in the stable. I was amazed. It didn't seem natural for my father to be on the same side as the herdman's but then it didn't seem natural for the Herdmans to be on the right side of a thing. It would have made more sense for them to be on Herod's side. Exactly, Mother said. It was perfectly disgraceful. And I never thought about it, Munch. You hear all about the nice, warm stable with all the animals breathing, the sweet-smelling hay, but that doesn't change the fact that they put Mary in a barn. Now let me tell you. She told my father all about the rehearsal, and when she was through, she said, It's clear to me that deep down, those children have some good instincts after all. My father said he couldn't exactly agree. According to you, he said, their chief instinct was to burn Herod alive. No, their chief instinct was to get Mary and the baby out of the barn. But even so, it was Herod they wanted to do away with and not Mary or Joseph. They picked out the right villain. That must mean something. Maybe so. My father looked up from his newspaper. Is that what finally happened to Herod? What did happen to Herod anyway? None of us knew. I'd never thought much about Herod. He was just a name, somebody in the Bible, Herod the King. But the Herdmans went and looked him up. The very next day, Imogene grabbed me at recess. How do you get a book out of the library, she said. You have to have a card. How do you get a card? You have to sign your name. She looked at me for a minute with her eyes all squinched up. Do you have to sign your own name? I thought Imogene probably wanted to get up the dirty, one of the dirty books out of the basement, which is where they kept them, but I knew nobody would let her do that. There's this big chain across the stairs to the basement, and Mrs. Gravener, the librarian, can hear it rattle no matter where she is in the library, so you don't have a chance of getting down there. Sure, you have to sign your own name, I said. They have to know who has the books. I didn't see what difference it make whether she signed the card with her own name or signed the card Queen Elizabeth. Mrs. Grabner still wasn't going to let Imogene Herbner take any books out of the public library. I guess she couldn't stop them from using the library though because that was where they found out about Herod. They went in that afternoon, all six of them, and told Mrs. Grabner they wanted library cards. Usually when anybody told Mrs. Grabner that they wanted library cards, she got this big happy smile on her face and said, good, we want all our boys and girls to have library cards. She didn't say that to the Herdmans though, She just asked them why they wanted library cards. We want to read about Jesus, Imogene said. Not Jesus, Ralph said. The king who was out to get Jesus, Herod. Later on, Miss Gravener told my mother that she had been a librarian for 38 years and loved every minute of it because every day brought something new and different. But now she said, I might as well retire. When Imogene Herdman came in and said she wanted to read about Jesus, I knew I had heard something everything that there was to hear. At the next rehearsal, Mother started again to separate everyone into angels and shepherds and guests at the end, but she didn't get very far. The Herdmans wanted to rewrite the whole pageant and hang Herod for a finish. They couldn't stand it that he died in bed of old age. It wasn't just Jesus he was after, Ralph told us. He killed all kinds of people. He even killed his own wife, Leroy said, and nothing happened to him, Imogene grumbled. Well, he died, didn't he, somebody said. Maybe he died a horrible death. What did he die of? Ralph shrugged, it didn't say flu, I guess. They were so mad about it that I thought they might quit the pageant, but they didn't, not then or ever. And all the people who kept hoping that the Herdmans would get bored and leave were out of luck. They showed up at rehearsals right on time and did just what they were supposed to do. But they were still Herdmans and there was at least one person who didn't forget that for a minute. One day, I saw Alice Wendelkin writing something down on a little pad of paper and trying to hide it with her other hand. It's none of your business, she said. It wasn't any of my business, but it wasn't any of Alice's either. What she wrote was, Gladys Herdman drinks communion wine. It isn't wine, I said. It's grape juice. I don't care what it is. She drinks it. I've seen her three times with her mouth all purple. They steal crins from the Sunday school cupboards too. And if you shake the happy birthday bank in the kindergarten room, it doesn't make a sound. They stole all the pennies out of that. I was amazed at Alice. I would never think to go and shake the happy birthday bank. And every time you go in the girls' room, she went on the whole era's blue. And Imogene Herdman is there in the Mary costume smoking cigars. Alice wrote all these things down and how many times each thing happened. I don't know why, unless it made her feel good to see in black and white just how awful they were. Since none of the Herdmans had ever gone to church or Sunday school or read the Bible or or anything, they didn't know how things were supposed to be. Imogene, for instance, didn't know that Mary was supposed to be acted out in one certain way, sort of quiet and dreamy and out of this world. The way Imogene did it, Mary was a lot like Miss Santoro at the pizza parlor. Miss Santoro is a big fat lady with a little skinny husband and nine children, and she yells and hollers and hugs her kids and slaps them around. That's how Imogene's Mary was, loud and bossy. Get away from the baby, she yelled at Ralph, who was Joseph, and then she made the wise men keep their distance. The wise men want to honor the Christ child, Mother explained, for the tenth time. They don't mean to harm him, for heaven's sakes. But the wise men didn't know how things were supposed to be either, and nobody blamed Imogene for shoving them out of the way. You got the feeling that these wise men were going to hustle back to Herod as fast as they could and squeal on the baby out of pure meanness they thought about it too. What if we didn't go home another way, Leroy demanded. Leroy was Melchior. What if we went back to the king and told on the baby where he was and all? He would murder Joseph. Rath said. Old Herod would murder him. He would not. That was Imogene with fire in her eye. And since the Herdmans fought one another just as fast as they fought everybody else, Mother had to step, step in and settle everybody down. I thought about it later, though, and I decided that a Herod, a king, set out to murder Jesus, a carpenter's baby son, he would surely find some way to do it. So when Leroy asked, what if we went back and told on the baby, it gave you something to think about? No Jesus. Ever. I don't know whether anybody else got this flash. Alice Wendelkin, for one, didn't. I don't think it's very nice to talk about the baby Jesus being murdered, she said, stitching her lips together and looking sour. That was one more thing to write down on her pad of paper, and one more thing to tell her mother about the Herdmans, besides the fact that they swore and smoked and stole and all. I think she kept hoping that they would do one great big sinful thing, and her mother would say, Well, that's that, and get on the telephone and have them thrown out. Be sure and tell your mother that I can step right in and be merry if I have to, she told me, as we stood in the back row of the angel choir. And if I'm Mary, we can get the Perkins baby for Jesus. But Mrs. Perkins won't let Imogene Herdman hold her hands on him. The Perkins baby would have made a terrific Jesus and Alice knew it. The way things stood, we didn't have any baby at all. And this really bothered my mother because she couldn't very well have the best Christmas pageant in history with the chief character missing. We had lots of babies offered in the beginning all the way from Eugene Sloper, who was so new, he was still red, up to Junior Cottle, who was almost four. His mother said he could scrunch up, but when all the mothers found out about the Herdmans, they withdrew their babies. Mother had called everyone she knew, trying to scratch up a baby, but the closest she came was Bernice Watrous, who kept foster babies all the time. I've got a darling little boy right now, Bernice told mother. He's three months old and so good. I hardly know he's in the house. He'd, he'd be wonderful. Of course, he's Chinese. Does that matter? No, Mother said. It doesn't matter at all. But Bernice's baby got adopted two weeks before Christmas, and Bernice said she didn't like to ask to borrow him right back right away. So that was that. Listen, Imogene said. I'll get us a baby. How would you do that, Mother asked. I'll steal one, Imogene said. There's always two or three babies in carriages outside the A&P supermarket. Oh, Imogene, don't be ridiculous, Mother said. You can't just walk off with somebody's baby, you know. I doubt if Imogene did know that. She walked off with everything else. We just won't worry any matter about a baby, Mother said. We'll use a baby doll. That'll be better anyway. Imogene looked, pleased. A doll can't bite you, she pointed out, which just went to prove the Hurdens started out mean right from the cradle. Chapter 6 Our last rehearsal happened to be on the night before the potluck supper and when we got there the kitchen was full of ladies in aprons counting out dishes and silverware and making applesauce cake for the dessert. I'm sorry about this one of the ladies told mother but with so much to do at this time of year the committee decided to come in this evening and set up the tables and all. I just hope we won't bother you. Oh you won't mother said we won't be in the kitchen you won't even know we're here. Mother was wrong. Everybody in that end of town knew we were there before the evening was over. Now this is going to be a dress rehearsal, Mother told us all. And right away, three or four baby angels began hollering that they forgot their wings. Half of the angel choir had forgotten their robes, and Hobie Carmichael said he didn't have any kind of a costume. Wear your father's bathrobe, Charlie told him. That's what I do. He doesn't have a bathrobe. What does he hang around the house in? His underwear, Hobie said. I looked at Alice Wendelkin to see if she was going to write that down on her pad of paper, but Alice was standing all by herself in a corner, patting her hair. Her hair was all washed and curled, and her robe was clean and pressed. She'd even put Vaseline on her eyelids so they would shine in the candlelight, and everybody would say, Who is that lovely girl in the angel choir? Why isn't she Mary? I guess Alice was afraid to move for fear she might spoil herself. Don't worry about your minks, Mother said. The main point of a dress rehearsal isn't the costumes. The main point is to go right straight through without stopping. And that's what we're going to do, just as if we were doing it for the whole congregation. I'm going to sit in the back of the church and be the audience. But it didn't work that way. "'The baby angels came in at the wrong place "'and had to go back out again, "'and a whole gang of shepherds didn't come in at all "'for fear of Gladys. Imogene couldn't find the baby Jesus doll "'and wrapped up a great big memorial flower urn "'in the blanket and then dropped it on Ralph's foot. "'And half the angel choir sang, away in the Manger, "'while the other half sang, "'O Little Tide of Bethlehem. "'So we had to start over a lot. "'I've got the baby here,' Imogene barked at the wise men. "'Don't touch him. "'I named him Jesus.' No, 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 Mother came flying up the aisle. Now, Imogene, you know you're not supposed to say anything. Nobody says anything in our pageant except the angel of the Lord and the choir singing carols. Mary and Joseph and the wise men make a lovely picture for us to look at while we think about Christmas and what it means. I guess Mother had to say things like that, even though everybody knew it was a big lie. The Herdmans didn't look anything out of the Bible, more like trick-or-treat. Imogene even had on great big gold earrings, and she wouldn't take them off. Now, Imogene, Mother said, you know Mary didn't wear earrings. I have to wear these, Imogene said. Why's that? I got my ears pierced, and if I don't keep something in them, they'll grow together. Well, they won't grow together in an hour and a half, Mother said. No, but I better leave them in. Imogene pulled on her earrings, which made you shudder. It was like looking at the pictures in National Geographic of natives with their ears stretched all the way to their shoulders. What did the doctor say about leaving something in them? Mother said. What doctor? Well, who pierced your ears? Gladys, Imogene said. That really made you shudder, the thought of Gladys Herdman piercing ears. I thought she probably used an ice pick, and for the next six months I kept watching Imogene to see her ears turn black and fall off. All right, Mother said, but we'll try to find something smaller and more appropriate for you to wear in the pageant. Now we'll start again and go right straight through, and I think I ought to tell them what his name is, Imogene said. No, besides, you remember it wasn't Mary who named the baby. I told you, Raf whacked Imogene on the back. I named him. Joseph didn't name the baby either, Mother said. God sent an angel to tell Mary what his name should be. Imogene sniffed. I would have named him Bill. Alice Wendelkin sucked in her breath, and I could hear her scratching down on her pad of paper that Imogene Herdman would have called the baby Bill instead of Jesus. What angel was that? Ralph wanted to know. Was that Gladys? No, mother said. Gladys is the angel who comes to the shepherd with the news. Yeah, Gladys said. Unto you, a child is born. She yelled at the shepherds. Unto me, Imogen, yelled back at her. Not them, me. I'm the one that had the baby. No, 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 mother sat down on her front pew. That just means that Jesus belongs to everybody. Unto all of us, a child is born. Now she sighed. Let's start again. Why didn't they let Mary name her own baby, Imogene demanded. What did that angel do, just walk up and say, name him Jesus? Yes, Mother said, because she was in a hurry to get finished. But Alice Wendelkin had to open her big mouth. I know what the angel said, Alice piped up. She said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I could have hit her. Oh, Imogene said, he'd never get out of the first grade if he had to write all that. There was a big crash at the back of the church as if somebody dropped all the collection plates. But it wasn't the collection plates. It was Mrs. Hopkins, the minister's wife, dropping a whole tray of silverware. I'm sorry, she said. I was just passing by, and I thought I'd take a peek. Would you like to sit down and watch the rehearsal, Mother asked No, Mrs. Hopkins couldn't seem to take her eyes off Imogene. I'd better go check on the applesauce cake. You didn't have to say that, I told Alice. All that about wonderful, everlasting father and all. Why not, Imogene said, patting her hair. I thought Imogene wanted to know. By that time, everyone was hot and tired, and most of the baby angels had to go to the bathroom, so Mother said we would take a five-minute recess, and then we'll start over, she said, looking sort of hopeless, and go right straight through without stopping, won't we? Well, we never did go right straight through. The five-minute recess was a big mistake because it stretched to 15 minutes, and Imogene spent the whole time smoking cigars in one of the johns in the ladies' room. Then Mrs. Homer McCarthy went to the ladies' room and opened the door and smelled something funny and saw some smoke, and she ran right to the church office and called the fire department. We were singing Angels We've Heard on High when what we heard was the fire engine pulling up on the lawn of the church with the siren blaring and the red lights flashing. The firemen hurried in and made us all go outside, and they dragged a big hose in the front door and went looking for a fire to put out. The street was full of baby angels crying, and shepherds climbing all over the fire truck, and firemen, and all the ladies on the potluck committee, and neighbors who came to see what was going on, and Reverend Hopkins who came over from the parsonage in his pajamas and his woolly bathrobe. Nobody knew what had happened, including the Herdmans, but I guess they figured that whatever it was, they had done it, so they left. Why in the world did you call the fire department, Mother asked Mrs. McCarthy when she finally heard the whole story, because the ladies' room was full of thick smoke. It couldn't have been, Mother said. You just got excited. Didn't you know it was cigar smoke? Mrs. McCarthy stared at her. No, I didn't. I don't expect to find cigar smoke in the ladies' room of the church. She whirled around and marched back to the kitchen. But by that time, the kitchen was fuller of smoke than the ladies' room because while everybody was milling around in the street, all of the applesauce cake burned up. Of course, the ladies on the potluck committee were mad about that. Mrs. McCarthy was mad, and Alice said her mother would be good and mad when she heard about it. Most of the baby angels' mothers were mad because they couldn't find out what had happened. And somebody said Mrs. Hopkins was mad because Reverend Hopkins was running around the streets in his pajamas. It turned out to be the one great big sinful thing Alice kept hoping for. Mrs. Wendelkin read Alice's notes, got on the telephone that very night, and called up everybody she could think of in the Ladies Aid and the Women's Society, and she called most of the flower committee and all of the Sunday school teachers and Reverend Hopkins. And Reverend Hopkins came to see Mother. I can't make head or tail of it, he said. Some people say they set fire to the ladies' room. Some people said they set fire to the kitchen. One lady told me that Imogene threw a flower pot at Ralph. Mrs. Wendelkin says all they do is talk about underwear. Oh, that was Hobie Carmichael, Mother said, talking about underwear. And they didn't set fire to anything. The only fire was in the kitchen, where the potluck committee let their applesauce cake burn up. Well, Reverend Hopkins looked unhappy. The whole church is in an uproar. Do you think we should call off the pageant? Certainly not, Mother said. By that time, she was mad, too. Why, it's going to be the best Christmas pageant we've ever had. Of all the lies she had told so far, that was the biggest. But you had to admire her. It was like General Custer saying, Bring on the Indians! Maybe so, Reverend Hopkins said. I'm just afraid that nobody will come to see it. But he was wrong. Everybody came to see what the Herdmans would do. Chapter 7 On the night of the pageant, we didn't have any supper because Mother forgot to fix it. My father said that was all right. Between Mrs. Armstrong's telephone calls and the pageant rehearsals, he didn't expect supper anymore. When it's all over, he said, we'll go someplace and have hamburgers. But Mother said when it was all over, she might want to go someplace and hide. We've never once gone through the whole thing, she said. I don't know what's going to happen. It may be the first Christmas pageant in history where Joseph and the wise men get in a fight and Mary runs away with a baby. She might be right, I thought, and I wondered what all of us in the angel choir ought to do in case that happened. It would be dumb for us just to stand there singing about the holy infant if Mary had run off with him. But nothing seemed very different at first. There was the usual big mess all over the place, baby angels getting poked in the eye by other baby angels' wings, and grumpy shared shepherds stumbling over their bathrobes the spotlight swooped back and forth and up and down till it made you sick to your stomach to look at it and as usual whoever was playing the piano pitched away in a manger so high we could hardly hear it let alone sing it my father says away in a manger always starts out sounding like a closet full of mice but everything settled down and at seven thirty the pageant began while we sang away in the manger, the ushers lit candles all around the church, and the spotlight came on to be the star. So you really had to know the words to a man in the manger because you couldn't see anything, not even Alice Wendelkin's Vaseline eyelids. After that, we sang two verses over the little town of Bethlehem, and then we were supposed to hum some more, O Little Town of Bethlehem, while Mary and Joseph came in from a side door. Only they didn't come in right away, so we hummed and hummed and hummed, which is boring and also very hard, and before long doesn't sound like any song at all, more like an old refrigerator. I knew something like this would happen, Alice Wendelkins whispered to me. They didn't come at all. We won't have any Mary and Joseph, and now what are we supposed to do? I guess we would have gone on humming till we all turned blue, but we didn't have to. Ralph and Jim Imogene were there all right, only for once. They didn't come through the door pushing each other out of the way. They just stood there for a minute, as if they weren't sure they were in the right place. Because of the candles, I guess, and the church being full of people. They look like the people you see on the six o'clock news. Refugees, sent to wait in some strange, ugly place with all their boxes and sacks around them. It suddenly occurred to me that this was just the way it must have been for the real holy family, stuck away in a barn by people who didn't much care what happened to them. They couldn't have been very neat and tidy either, but more like this Mary and Joseph. Imogene's veil was cockeyed as usual, and Ralph's hair stuck out all around his ears. Imogene had the baby doll, but she wasn't carrying it the way she was supposed to, cradled in her arms. She had it slung over her shoulder, and before she put it back in the manger, she thumped it twice on the back. I heard Alice gasp, and she poked me. I don't think it's very nice to burp the baby Jesus, she whispered, as if he had colic. Then she poked me again. Do you suppose he could have had colic? I said, I don't know why not, and I didn't. He could have had colic or been fussy or hungry like any other baby. After all, that was the whole point of Jesus. He didn't come down on a cloud like something out of Amazing Comics, but that he was born and lived, a real person. Right away, we had to sing while shepherds watched their flocks by night. And we had to sing very loud because there were more shepherds than there were anything else. And they made so much noise, banging their crooks around like a lot of hockey sticks. Next came Gladys from behind the angel choir, pushing people out of the way and stepping on everybody's feet. Since Gladys was the only one on the pageant who had anything to say, she made the most of it. Hey, unto you a child is born, she hollered, as if it was for sure the best news in the world. And all the shepherds trembled sore afraid of Gladys, mainly, but it looked good anyway. Then came three carols about angels. It took that long to get the angels in because they were all primary kids, and they got nervous and cried and forgot where they were supposed to go and bent their wings on the door and things like that. We got a little rest then while the boys sang We Three Kings of are," and everybody in the audience shifted around to watch the wise men march up the aisle. What have they got? Alice whispered. I don't know, but whatever it was, it was heavy. Leroy almost dropped it. He didn't have his frankincense jar either. And Claude and Ollie didn't have anything, although they were supposed to bring the gold and the myrrh. I knew this would happen, Alice said for the second time. I bet it's something awful. Like what? Like a burnt offering. You know the herdmans. Well, they did burn things, but they hadn't burned this yet. It was a ham. And right away, I knew where it came from. My father was on the church charitable works committee. They give away food baskets at Christmas, and this was the Herdman's food basket ham. It still had the ribbon around it saying Merry Christmas. I'll bet they stole that, Alice said. They did not. It came from the food basket, and if they want to give away their own ham, I guess they can do it. But even if the Herdmans didn't like ham, that was Alice's next idea, they had never before in their lives given anything away except lumps on the head. So you had to be impressed. Leroy dropped the ham in front of the manger. It looked funny to see a ham there instead of the fancy bath salts jars we always used for the myrrh and the frankincense. And then they went and sat down in the only space that was left. While we sang, what child is this, the wise men were supposed to confer among themselves and then leave by a different door so everyone would understand that they were going home another way. But the Herdmans forgot or didn't want to, or something, because they didn't confer, and they didn't leave either. They just sat there, and there wasn't anything anyone could do about it. They're ruining the whole thing, Alice whispered, but they weren't at all. As a matter of fact, it made perfect sense for the wise men to sit down and rest, and I said so. They're supposed to have come a long way. You wouldn't expect them to just show up, hand over the ham, and leave. As for ruining the whole thing, it seemed to me that the Herdmans had improved the pageant a lot, just by doing what came naturally, like burping the baby, for instance, or thinking a ham would make a better present than a lot of perfumed oil. Usually by the time we got to Silent Night, which was always the last carol, I was fed up with the whole thing and couldn't wait for it to be over. But I didn't feel that way this time. I almost wished for the pageant to go on with the herdsmen in charge to see what else they would do that was different. Maybe the wise men would tell Mary about their problem with Herod, and she would tell them to go back and lie their heads off. Or Joseph might go with him and get rid of Herod once and for all. Or Joseph and Mary might ask the wise men to take the Christ child with him, figuring that no one would think to look there. I was so busy planning new ways to save the baby Jesus that I missed the beginning of Silent Night. But it was all right because everyone sang Silent Night, including the audience. We sang all the verses to and when we got to Son of God, love's pure light. I happened to look at Imogene, and I almost dropped my hymn book on a baby angel. Everyone had been waiting all this time for the Herdmans to do something absolutely unexpected. And sure enough, that was what happened. Imogene Herdman was crying. In the candlelight, her face was all shiny with tears, and she didn't even bother to wipe them away. She just sat there, awful old Imogene, in her crookedy veil, crying and crying and crying well it was the best christmas pageant we ever had everybody seemed said so but nobody seemed to know why when it was over people stood around the lobby of the church talking about what was different this year there was something special everyone said they couldn't put their finger on it mrs wendelkin said well mary the mother of jesus had a black eye that was something special "'but only what you might expect,' she added. "'She meant that it was the most natural thing in the world "'for a herdman to have a black eye. "'But actually nobody hit a Jean, "'and she didn't hit anyone else. "'Her eye wasn't really black either, "'just all puffy and swollen. "'She'd walked into the corner of the choir rope cabinet "'in kind of a daze, "'as if she had just caught on to the idea of God "'and the wonder of Christmas. "'And this was the funny thing about it all. "'For years I'd thought about the wonder of Christmas,' and the mystery of Jesus's birth and never really understood it. But now because of the Herdman's, it didn't seem so mysterious at all. When Imogene had asked me what the pageant was about, I told her it was about Jesus, but that was just part of it. It was about a new baby and his mother and father who were in a lot of trouble. No money, no place to go, no doctor, nobody they knew. And then arriving from the East, like my uncle from New Jersey, some rich friends. But Imogene, I guess, didn't see it that way. Christmas just came over her all at once, like a case of chills and fever. And so she was crying and walking into the furniture. Afterward, there were candy canes and little tiny testaments for everyone, and a poinsettia plant for my mother from the whole Sunday school. We put the costumes away and folded up the collapsible manger, and just before we left, my father snuffed out the last of the tall white candles. I guess that's everything he said as we stood at the back of the church. All over now. It was quite a pageant. Then he looked at my mother. What's that you've got? It's the ham, she said. They wouldn't take it back. They wouldn't take any candy either or any of the little Bibles. But Imogene did ask me for a set of Bible story pictures, and she took out the Mary picture and said it was exactly right. Whatever that means. I think it meant that no matter how she herself was, Imogene liked the idea of the Mary in the picture all pink and white and pure-looking, as if she never washed dishes or cooked supper or did anything at all except have Jesus on Christmas Eve. But as far as I'm concerned, Mary is always going to look a lot like Imogene Herdman, sort of nervous and bewildered, but ready to clobber anyone who laid a hand on her baby. And the wise men are always going to be Leroy and his brothers bearing ham. When we came out of the church that night, it was cold and clear with crunchy snow underfoot and bright, bright stars overhead. And I thought about the angel of the Lord, Gladys, with her skinny legs and her dirty sneakers sticking out from under her robe, yelling at all of us everywhere. Hey, unto you a child is born.